0: I really do appreciate that we have a theme called the road trip. You know, that's really a wonderful expression of what the Christian experience is like. It's really a road trip in life, isn't it? It's really a journey that we're on with all the twists and turns of a, of a road trip and a journey. And then, of course, we have the incredible destination as we think of the final resting place in the presence of our living God. And so I think it's important in this series as we've looked at destination, we've looked at what do we in with us, luggage, and now we're going to look at the playlist as we go and, and then we're going to end with what, we do this in community, we do this together. I must confess when I hear the words that were read in that just in a moment ago, when I was 16 years old, those were the last words I wanted to hear. I wasn't interested in purity, I wasn't interested in righteousness, I wasn't interested in hearing those kinds of things as it was hammered home in my local church. And I kind of resented it because what it meant was that I had to deal with issues in my life. And I really wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I didn't want any kind of conviction or any kind of words from the Lord when it comes to these issues. Of course, as I've grown older, I realize that all the words that are, are proclaimed in the sacred word are there for our good. Even in the ancient law, the Old Testament laws, we read and try to digest the, the words that are there and the truths that are there. Every one of them was given for the well-being of the people of Israel. You trace it back and you look at the underlying meaning there. It was for their good. And so I've come to realize over the years that the words of God and the truths of God are really there for our good. And even prohibitions in how we ought to live are there because God really cares deeply about you and me. And so one of the emphases on a road trip is, you know, what is people listening to? You know, what are they listening to in the playlist as they're traveling with their their speakers on? The question becomes, what are we taking into our mind? today and what are we taking into our heart. It all starts with first listening to God. Are we listening to Him? When we listen to Him and what He has to say to us, it affects all the other areas of what we're listening to. The music we listen to on YouTube, Pandora, FM radio, when we ask Alexa to play a song, or the movies we watch, or the TV programs, or what we watch on our computers or our tablets, what we read, the conversations we have, all of them. Are significant for us to think about. What are we listening to? A couple of pictures to illustrate this. <clears throat> on the road trip, you see one's on with his headphone on, the other's looking at a tablet. Uh, nobody seems to be talking to each other. I remember that commercial where that fellow is, you know, everybody's on their tablets and their headphones and what and he's just talking, he's talking about them, but they're just smiling as he's talking. Nobody's listening to him. Or on a family around the table. Here they are. Look at that. That's a wonderful uh, time together with the family, isn't it? Again, that commercial where this mother, uh, all they're all in their tablets, and they're all around the table ready to eat, and she turns off the Wi-Fi. Oh, come on. They all put them down, and they start talking to each other. It's a marvelous expression there. You see, listening to God, when we listen to Him, will affect every area of our lives, what we listen to in the course of the lifestyle we live. There's a, a direct correlation there. And what floods your mind these days is the question I want us to think about. What floods your mind and what penetrates your heart these days? I'd like to read that part of that scripture again uh, from Philippians chapter 4, particularly verses 8 and 9. Father, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. That's a very, very significant passage in a very, very significant book. It's the church that the Apostle Paul has the greatest affinity to is the church at Philippi, who was extremely supportive of him, very encouraging him on his journey of faith and his journey in ministry. Again, listening to God will affect what you listen to in the course of your lifestyle. The passage there of Philippians 4 there, the, the context leading up to this passage talks about certain things we do. Do not worry, but pray, and the peace of God will be in our lives. The peace of God will be in our lives. It will guard our hearts and minds. It all talks as we look at those areas of our lives. It also, when it's done, it says, you put these into practice, these virtues, and the peace of God will be with you. Isn't it interesting how it leads to peace rather than confusion? You know, we can't navigate through life when we deal with areas like this by being separatists or being people who just separate ourselves. Like I remember growing up, in order to not practice some of the things that my folks didn't want me to practice, so well, they simply says, you stay away from it all. You know, you don't want to go to any movies because if you do, you might find a bad one there, so you stay away entirely. You know, you don't want to touch alcohol at all. So you stay away from it. Everything was a separatistic kind of model, and it's not necessarily helpful as we navigate in life. On the other hand, we have people who are just accommodationalists and all everything that the culture identifies as values, they simply just simply flow with the culture, the other extreme. I find neither one of those very helpful when it comes to navigating. What are we listening to? How are we living? And what I suggest is that we need more than anything else is discernment. Discernment. Obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding. We need to be people of discernment from the very early ages of our children. We've got to help them understand how to make decisions based upon the truth of God. How do you make these decisions? I think that's so critically important. Obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding so we can navigate the areas of our lives. So let's unpack this passage just for just a few moments. He says, finally, he's winding down this book, He's winding down his 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 this chapter. The words he has to say, his words of encouragement to this special church in Philippi, and he has some final things he wants to leave with them in this letter that was circulated to the church of Philippi and many other churches. These virtues listed in this passage were very much part in in part of the culture of the day particularly with people who are called the Stoics. And the Stoics were the one who came to the conclusion, I don't have time to go into the background of the Stoics, but very clearly they said, we need to live virtuous lives. They were righteous-thinking Gentiles. How to navigate in life is you you set up virtues and vices, and they had their list of virtues and vices, and you follow these as a code or a pattern in one's life. Although society sometimes seems hostile and evil, it is still part of God's world. And believers can affirm good within any culture. We have much that's good within our culture. But the Apostle Paul lists carefully wants these generally common virtues to have a distinctly Christian understanding and application for us. Therefore, we have our list of Christian virtues, the ones that we need to think about, the ones that we need to incorporate in our lives as we live the life of faith. These virtues are the centerpiece of our thought life as the people of faith. Remember, folks, first and foremost, the battle that we face, the challenges we face, first start in the mind. Penetrate the heart. We need to think clearly. We need to feel clearly. We need to live clearly in light of the truths of God. Think about it today. How much is our society, and I'm not, again, there's much good, but do you hear much about truth or people being noble being right, living pure lives, holy, lovable, admirable, lovely, people of virtue. Do you hear much about that in society? Have you ever identified somebody, there's a, there's a noble person over there. It's been a long time since I've seen anybody say there's a noble person in their life, the way they live. And Paul wants these lift these up because these are so critical for us. He desires that we be this kind of people in the world. We are called to listen to God. And as a result of listening to him, we are people of great character. How many people in ministry do we have these days who are so extremely competent in what they do? Oh, they just wow the crowds. Oh, everybody is so moved and enamored by them. And then we find out later on, as time goes on, that there's some huge flaws in their character. And when the huge flaws are in their character, it literally, folks, destroys their ministry. And you might not be in ministry, but we live in the world, our lives, and if we choose to be very competent people in what we do, but when it comes down to the issue of character, who we are, that can destroy so much. Now, I recognize, as I want to say, that we don't always do it right. Right? And I want us to understand that we don't always do it right and understand that. Even the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 7, after he's talking about we have peace with God, we have no condemnation in Christ Jesus, he wants us to ride the euphoria of what it means to the, what we have in virtue of Christ. And then right in the middle of it, chapter 7, he says, you know, there's things I, I want to do I don't do. And there's things I do that I don't want to do. He recognizes in the middle of this journey, this road trip of his life, that it doesn't always go the way we want it to go but we're pursuing it. And he says, thanks be to God who gives us victory through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that helps us. So I recognize the difficulties, but nonetheless, the issues of character are so important. So let's navigate just through a few moments with some of the virtues he lifts up for us. First is, whatever's true. Whatever's true. We hear so much about truth these days. In confusion, we're going through a series in a life group by Ravi Zacharias on Jesus among secular gods, and we're looking at the one message that he has on relativism. and relativism guards our, guides our culture these days. There's no sense where you can affirm any kind of absolute truth. And so we're like a ship without a sail, without a runner, and we can't identify, and so we muddle around because there's no things that we can grab a hold on as absolute truth. You know, truth is the facts that correspond to reality, and it's very difficult to identify those these days. With all the sources we have, what is really true? What is really true? We know, theologically, that all truth that exists, wherever it may be found, comes from God. But we must affirm, folks, that the Bible gives us foundational truths. Why? What does it give us foundational truths for? Living our lives. But often we realize, too, that even the reliable truth of God goes against conventional wisdom, the life of, of following Jesus will often be misunderstood because we, we have different starting points. We have different reference points by which we unpack the way we live in our lives by virtue of, of God's desire for us. And we realize in 2 Corinthians 2, it says, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who believe, it's the wisdom of God and the power of God. The Jews said, we don't understand you. The Gentiles said, you're just foolish to follow a dying and a risen Savior. So even in the midst of it, he wants us to pursue what is true. Foundational life truths come from God. And then we have an understanding of God and his purpose is found in the word. Are we listening to God? Are we seekers of what is true and what is right? How about being noble? Think about being noble today. Honorable, respectful, dignified. Not virtue we talk about much, isn't it? Again, when's the last time you've identified a person or a person who you say, that's a noble person in my life? The ones who are noble, it seems, these days get run over by those who are disrespectful, dishonorable, and undignified. And we are called in the midst of this this quandary of life, we're called to be people who are noble of character. How about right? Not just being right. Right. It's not about being right. It's about living right. What about righteous, rightness in our ethical conduct? What about following the the righteous laws of God? What about spelling out justice, rightness of justice, or honesty or goodness in our lives? The Apostle Paul wants us to understand, pursue what is right, what has genuineness and rightness of ethical conduct in our lives. Well, here we go whatever is pure whatever is off, pure means authentic or wholesome not particip- participating in what is morally or physically harmful to us it has an idea of cleanness it has an idea of innocence but not innocence and naivety but in an innocence because we are living a life that's clean before god and jesus says it's the pure in heart that will see god not participating what is morally and physically harmful to us and God defines that for us folks he's given us principles that describe for us the things that we do that would be harmful and he encourages us to pursue what is helpful and holy and right and wholesome for us as the people of faith pursue what is pure pursue what is pure in our lives The next two ones are really not taken from the the Bible. They're only used here in the New Testament. They're drawn from Hellenistic wisdom. The lovely and admirable. But appreciation of beauty. Lovely means appreciate what is beauty and what is good. Do we have a high appreciation in life for for beauty and for what is good? What is lovely? It has also a person who is lovable, but that often can be misunderstood. A lovable person. That isn't always good, but it might be good. And so he says, whatever's lovely out there in the world, as he casts the vision beyond the church, and he takes and spreads it out in the world. Whatever's lovely, whatever's good, and whatever is admirable, do we speak graciously and well of others? Do we commend others? Do, uh, do we look at what is deserving of high esteem and what is honorable? Do we are we do things that are admirable and point that out in other things that are admirable about them? And as we hear those things, as the people of faith, it just hopefully it, it has a feeling to us of healthiness in these virtues, a kind of a foundational rightness to them. And virtue of the apostle Paul is counter false teachings, which Paul's audience will be very familiar with. Not so sure about our culture we live in at times, but it's false teachings which Paul they know, and it's countering those teachings. And he says, anything that's praiseworthy, keep doing it. These virtues God wants to instill in us, and it's instilled through us through the Holy Spirit as we listen to Him and obey Him. And it's God who births these virtues in us. Where the Stoics went wrong is they say we can will these virtues in our lives. If we just will them, they will happen in our lives. Folks, spiritually, if we try to will these virtues, I think we're going to go wrong. It is a partnership, no question about it. We have to say, I desire to be this kind of person. But it's the Spirit of God that brings the qualities out through His Holy Spirit that works us and is birthed in us through the Spirit of God as He works. As we work, He works in our lives. And if we live this, folks, we're going to live, He says, the God of peace. The God of peace who brings peace into our lives will be with us. But the question is what we listen to is first precipitated by who are you listening to? With all the voices that are out there crying for our attention, the question is who? Think on these things, he says. Dwell on these things. Internalize them. Camp out in them. Weigh them. Emulate them in your life. The fellow who says, he who is not angry with sin is not in love with virtue. Think of that. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says, virtue brings light, indulgence brings fog. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought, folks, and make it obedient to the living Christ. Let me read that again. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the true knowledge of God. Folks, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to the living Christ. Listen to God, and we listen to him. It will affect the way we live for him. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we recognize that the road on this journey is not easy at times. and Sometimes the pressures are so intense as we have areas in our lives where we just don't seem to have any kind of victory. And we hear about purity of our lives and we hear about righteousness and we just chafe over it because we just don't seem to have any victory. Father, we thank you for your grace that reaches into our lives and offers us hope and forgiveness when we fail. But Father, give us the gumption, give us the desire to keep moving forward with you. Keep at it. Keep focusing on you, listening to you. And by your spirit, living it out. Amen.